everyone. Welcome to the forty. <laughs> Welcome to the forty-sixth episode of In the Vitrine. I always have trouble saying six because it's such a yeah, it's such a tongue twister. But anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about an exhibition that we saw, or more like an outing that we had between us <laughs> last Friday. Um, it was to a show called. Uh, actually, I'm trying to look. Uh, Flight of Fantasy. That's right. Yeah, it's presented by a new art gallery in Singapore called Art Now, um, and it marketed itself as you know a celebration of bold new takes on visual art and fashion design. Uh, and I must admit, when I first saw the invitation, I was a little shocked because when I opened it up, um, so this is part of my work at Art and Market where I'm the editor. So I opened it up, and then it was just like students' names, like all my students' names there. And I was like, eh, you know, it is... It was I know like, these people. <laughs> I know these people, but then it came to my like work email, sort of, like my other work email sort of thing, and it was just like kind of, uh, eh? And it took me a moment to wrap my head around it. Um, but yeah, so I will li- just talk about the people who, whose works I know best in this show. Um, they are from the School of Fashion at LaSalle. And they are Hamka Latip. Kwok Min Yen, um, Kwok Min Yen, sorry, Latika Balachanda, Mazri Ismail, Natalie Schreiber, and Samuel Shin, right? They're all from um, School of Fashion. And it there was... There's some students from Visual Arts also, I think. That's right, yeah, mm-hmm. who, uh, who made up the rest of the exhibition. But I think when we decided that we're going to go together, we were thinking about looking at how these works were displayed. And of course... Um, we were just really appreciative of the fact that, well, there was an exhibition space for them because with the pandemic this year, we didn't have a physical LaSalle show. Yes. And yeah, in an earlier episode, we had already reviewed the LaSalle show online. Yeah, because usually every year, I mean, it is something that many people, both the students as well as the industry, look forward to seeing all the graduating students work in this big exhibition and you can see the clothing, you can attend the physical show, you can look at their sketchbooks sometimes or at least their portfolios and you really get a very, it's their, it's one year's worth of hard work and money that they invest into this work. So it's really a very special like thing to celebrate. And this year because of COVID-19, obviously we were not able to do that physically and we did have um, the show as we covered in a previous podcast episode. Uh, as well as a digital fashion show for the graduating uh, BA students. Mm. And I know, not that talking about it like that, I wonder if we went to the show with these ideas in mind, like, oh, you know, the LaSalle show is always so grand and like you can see the process and there's this energy. Um, That's true because this is not supposed to be a graduating show. (laughs) Yeah, but I think when we went, we were just like kind of anticipating that. Um, and so I, I must say I was a little disappointed with how the works were displayed. I mean, the works themselves were were good, right? Um, I thought that there was thought put into it. The hard work was evident. Um, the aesthetic was well expressed. Um, the finishing was done pretty perfectly, I would say, you know. But yeah. there was just something missing um, in the show. Well, I guess we also have to yeah look at the remit of the show and it was in an art gallery, so that there's always that tension when art and fashion um, enter each other's spaces because fashion has to do a lot with the body and identity. Um, 
And so in, even in normal fashion exhibitions, the body is something that curators have to think a lot about, about how to display it. And here, um, the items were looked at as more of objects, like objects. So the way they were displayed was not always on the body. Mm -hmm. um, so what you were meant to kind of look at in, in the way that they were displaying is not so much like the cut or the silhouette as much as like maybe the technique, the, the materials, the form that the garment produced, but also it was kind of like a static presentation and not so much of like you couldn't see the garments in motion or how they would feel to be worn on, mm. which I think is something that I've seen, um, especially because this is contemporary design, it's not historical design. So there is that possibility of like in, in London, I saw the, there was this show of Yoji Yamamoto's garments and sorry, of uh, Comte de Garçon garments. Um, and the garments were there hanging and people could wear them. And there was like a live drawing session at the same time. So it was yeah. really exploring the, the way that garments feel and the silhouettes and how it looks like in relation to the body. So this is something that I missed in, in the show, but I guess it's because it was positioned more as an object and art show. Yeah, and the thing is, I think what they uh, chose for the exhibition was also items that more approximated art objects rather than things to be worn. Um, although true. I know that the students meant for them to be worn. Um, I think because I think most of the pieces that were shown were rather heavy. Um, so like you can't really imagine as well them being put on a mannequin, for instance. Um, so I know that for example, Ham Hamka's work could be, uh, was put on mannequins that he had made himself, right? The, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So there's like these black um, mannequins with yeah, like... Yeah, a bit like, punkish with like, yeah, duct tape. And like he even had hairstyles for them. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was really cute. Um, but you know, like the overcoats and um, were really heavy looking as well. So I think it's also quite jarring for someone coming out of the Singapore heat into the gallery to see these things and to imagine them um, put on the body. But what I thought would have been really lovely was, you know, just some sort of, um, I don't know, like some sort of write-up maybe about the works, like what it means, giving some kind of context for the audience to understand how they are supposed to be understood or where the motivation came from. Uh, I know we're in the age of like, you know, just digital content at the tip of our, at our fingertips, but, you know, it would have taken extra effort. And I always feel like when you go into an exhibition, um, it's good to have some kind of clarifying wall text, you know, to just kind of put you in the right frame of mind to enjoy the show and to appreciate the works uh, beyond what you see in front of you, like at face value. So that was what I, I felt was missing. And if, you know, it could just be added. And I know that the students have so much to say about their works as we've seen in the online LaSalle show. So to kind of like repeat that or to... Um, adapt from that for this exhibition would have been wonderful, I think, to contextualize. And also, mm. I think um, there could have been more dialogue, I guess, between the pieces within the exhibition because somehow it didn't feel very curated to me. It felt more like, well, these were the best works that we saw and we're just going to put them in this show. And it wasn't like, okay, you know, this work is talking with that work or like there is a curatorial theme that runs throughout um, the show. I guess we can take our cues from the title, which is Flights of Fancy. 
but That's I would true. still have liked which, some kind which of... Which suggests some sort of, like, um, kind of randomness and, like, radiation, like a flight of fancy, and not so much of, yeah. like, a specific linear idea or, like... True. So, like, they're kind of flying in different directions, like, wherever their fancy yeah. takes them. But I would still, I think, have liked it to be a little a bit anchored in, like, a curatorial essay, for instance. You know, or, like, a clarifying kind of writing. That wasn't even a wall text writing thing. It was just, like, you go in, that's kind of like a shop, and then you kind of go and see the works. Um, no, everything was displayed beautifully, of course. Um, but, yeah, you know. And I think, um, well, when we were in the show, there was... Uh, Terry, who walked us through it, you know, which was nice. And then Mazri, one of the students, uh, graduating students who talked to us about his work. That was really lovely to kind of give context to what he had created, um, you know, how many hours went into making it. And actually, this reminds me of, you know, the very first show we critiqued. Reviewed. Yeah, the Guofei exhibition. Put in how many hours was required had been required to create any one of the, the garments. I think that would have been nice as well because, um, of course, the next question we asked after we saw the works was like, how much are they? You know, are they for sale and how much are they? And then I think we were told the prices and we were like, oh, wow, that's like quite a lot. <laughs> I guess that's how like you can also see that it's been positioned more as like op art objects than wearables. Yeah. yeah, and I thought like, well, if you're going to command that kind of price, then it would be nice for us to understand what goes into this price, you know, like in terms of hours put into the work, um, in terms of like the idea that went behind the work. Otherwise, it's just something on the wall and I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of it. Because, uh, for example, like with Samuel's work or Masri's work, um, I mean, it looked amazing on the wall and on, you know, the stands. Uh, but then I'm just like, I don't really know exactly what I'm looking at. And I know that they were so rich in references, you know, and without words, the references are just not there. And that's a pity. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was, it was kind of assuming from the audience to kind of just like come up with the definitions or the reference points on their own. And also maybe if we were art collectors, we would get a different kind of tour. That could be the yeah. reason also. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think for me, I would have appreciated like a little bit more, you know, just because, um, yeah, you know, like to me, a good exhibition, whether in uh, a commercial space or a non-profit space or in an institution is always when I come away from it understanding something you know that I didn't when I mm. went in and I, I would really lo I'm, I'm loath to think like you know someone went in and was like how was this like okay interesting and like but I don't know what's going on and then like, okay bye you know I'm not even gonna ask about the price I'm not even gonna ask whatever because like there's just no information that, that's always a pity I think you know because every exhibition even if it's a selling exhib exhibition I think it's a, it's a chance to educate um your audience and I, I know that you know recently there's been a trend like with art collectors as well you know just the idea of being informed and of being mm. um, of understanding what's going on has really pushed people to get into it right and that's the um, the stance that most galleries are taking as well like just giving information to their potential collectors yeah and um, I mean like small things like how we were discussing how you love the fifth collections email newsletters and like 
I I get sent like all these interesting uh, email mailers of like certain brands and sometimes they have like historical information. Like I really love Rachel Comey who like sometimes puts in like um, like literature works and like text and you know, just things that kind of create this, yeah, that inform the customer, educate the customer and like, um, yeah, you come off like being delighted with, this yeah. information and, and stuff but, uh, but just these, yeah like, choices, tidbits you know I mean it, it makes your day right and it kind of makes you feel like also part of a community like you're learning together um, you get a bit of knowledge about it and it's not just about push, pushing the product yeah. yeah well I guess so I guess this show is I mean we just come come off the circuit breaker and this is the first time that I've seen some of the garments physically so mm. I really like that that I could see that and it's nice to be able to like see physical things uh, finally after a few months that was really um, nice. and i guess a lot of brands and sorry a lot of students a lot of schools and brands in general are looking for different ways to like engage in the physical world and so another example of this that we came across was um, the samsung and lasalle design competition so that was for the samsung flip phone which i'm showing Ooh. here <laughs> Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> so the crazy. first designer, the first designer that created something for this. I mean, first of all, their video. This is not an ad. Hashtag not sponsored <laughs> post. <laughs> Nothing but, we just uh, sponsored. <laughs> but it can be. <laughs> calling all potential sponsors. <laughs> so the the video ad for the Samsung flip phone is really cool. It's got this kind of like toilet paper. Um, aesthetic and uh one of our you want to explain toilet paper because many people will think oh it's yeah so toilet paper is this design duo yeah. mm. um that does like really quirky and like very bold they use a lot of bold colors um yeah. a bit surreal um kind of aesthetic so they did the they did the campaign for kenzo a few years um let me just pull them up I think my first um, interaction with toilet paper, <laughs> that's not so funny, I'm going to the loo. Um, but I mean, toilet paper, the design duo, was when they created these like products, um, you know, with the fingers. And oh, the yes. Dismembered, and I, dismembered uh, fingers, yes. Yeah, and I bought them off Nasty Gal, like way back when. Oh, yeah, totally on brand. So they, they are, it's founded in 2010 by Maurizio Catalan and Pierpaolo Ferrari, who are graphic designers. Um, and they started with a magazine and they do a lot of campaigns. So I, I, I had that kind of like, I wonder if that was one of the reference points for this phone. And this phone is a foldable phone, which has very like nostalgic connotations because the last time we were able to fold phones was like in the 2000s when our phones were not smartphones. So a lot of people have memories of like, flipping their phones down after a conversation. We've seen it in like films where the, the, the like tin flips where the people are using like this like flip phone. So on that aspect, it's, it's excited a lot of people. It's very new technology. And so um, one of our ex-colleagues, Ling Wu from Ling Wu Bags um, designed for the Singapore market, this like special bags that I think were worn also in the video. Mm. So that that's really I mean 
I've just spoken so much about this stupid poem. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it sounds like most poems, yeah. <laughs> and um, so what happened was that the product design students from Nacelle also did like a competition with Samsung where they kind of uh, reimagined and reinterpreted an accessory that would highlight the unique form of the Galaxy Z Flip. Um, so five entries were sh shortlisted and you can see them in the Samsung website and like one of our favorite ones is this orange grid light. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's by Abavia Roshan and she did yeah. like a 3D printed mesh kind of phone case and it's like in yeah. bright orange. It's really cool. Um, and yeah, it doesn't awesome cover everything. Part. Yeah. yeah, I think the rest were, I was just like, mm, I'm not yeah. sure, like, probably not very mass market appeal kind of thing. And No, um, like, there was one that was, like, a strange, like, harness with, yeah. like, a, a, yeah, a pocket to put harness. the phone in. Yeah. Awkward, I think. Um, but, well, the reason why we're talking about this is actually everything that we're talking about in this episode is inspired by our outing last Friday. And I can't tell you how excited we were about the outing. Because... Yeah. I was like, oh, there's this show. And then I was like telling Danny, and then I was asking Rohai, who works at the Fifth Collection as well, which is why oh, we yeah. talked about Fifth Collection emailer earlier. But so we, we got together, we went to see this show, and then we went to eat after. And then we were talking about Danny's phone because it was so cool. So then, literally, <laughs> this, this episode is strangely inspired by that. And um, if there's a theme that runs through it, since we just talked about how there was no curatorial theme for the exhibition, well, if you, if you must know the theme of this podcast episode, it's about fashion as um, wearable and as art, I guess, as wearable art, you know? Okay, so now that we've gotten that awkward bit out of the way, <laughs> so after, um, actually what happened was after uh, Danny, that outing, then I was like, oh gosh, Danny's going so nice and I want to like go find out more about it because I knew about it already through Ling's um, collaboration and we had met with her when we went to the conference in Melbourne, right? We went to have brunch with her um, and she had told us about that then. And then I was also changing my phone and thinking like, oh, I want to get this. But then I thought it was too expensive. And then after I saw Danny have it, I was just like, oh, I regret not getting it. So when I went on the Galaxy Z Flip site, I was really um, surprised to see that there was also a Tom Brown edition. Mm, yes. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute, there's like a LaSalle showcase. And oh, of course there was Ling. So it's like, huh, you know, like when did all these yeah. things happen? And I wasn't even aware. Um, so, so it just shows that, yeah, tech fashion and technology like obviously they are being used a lot for like um uh, merchandising systems e-commerce etc but there's also that realm of like fashion wearables right exactly and you know the tomba edition is so cool so that i think there was only 200 units uh set available in singapore but it's not just about the phone so the phone has that tom brown signature stripes on it but then you can also have like a watch um the special earphones and yeah, I mean, I don't think I could have afforded it, but I, I would have liked to known, have known about it before it was launched and just dream that I would buy a set. Because <laughs> uh, the thing is quite forbidding. It's like $3,888, I think. Wow. Yeah, but it's so beautiful, you know, that iconic, like dark blue, white, red striping on everything. So yeah. nice. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how... I feel like it's still not very developed, the, the intersection between fashion wearables. Like the, there were many articles like up to 10 years ago of like, 
oh yes, the future of fashion is fashion tech and fashion wearables, but it still kind of hasn't happened yet. And um, another example of a brand collaborating with like technology in, in wearables is of course uh, the Apple Watch and like yeah. Hermes did um, a strap for it, but it doesn't really translate apart from like the luxurious leather being used on a watch. It hasn't really translated very, very well. Um, Kate Spade launched their own smartwatch, but if you're looking at a smartwatch segment, like it's not really a watch that gets like recommended very highly for its technology, but more for a fashion accessory. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of, well, if you think about it, you can think like lots of opportunities to improve and to explore possibilities. And I mean, I'm very excited about all, all these like move towards, you know, um, making things more cross-disciplinary. And like, you know, I'm just always excited to see like what new things people are going to come up with. Um, and, you know, for all we said about the show at Art Now, I think we were still just really delighted that it presented an opportunity for the students to present their work um, and then you know it allowed us also to have the outing you know that was just <laughs> so fun see physical objects yeah see physical objects and see people as their physical beings that was really yeah. nice um, so yeah if you if you'd like to catch the show and form your own opinions about it it's at Raffles Hotel on the second floor. It's called Art Now Gallery. And if you want to look at the, um, well, I don't know, Gallery Z Flip, Tom Brown edition, you can go to the Samsung website and have a look. Um, there's also a video of the collaboration between LaSalle um, and, yeah, and the brand and what they made for the phone. Okay, yes. so on that note, <laughs> that's the end I'll of the- you to it. <laughs> uh, well, what a strange episode on In The Between. <laughs> But I'm sure you enjoyed it nonetheless, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And um, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And do leave us a review. That will be really helpful. And follow us on Instagram at InTheBetween as well. Till the next time. Bye. Yeah. Bye.